0: always neat to have these uh, kids up here singing and and you guys do a pretty good job yourself. Uh, Song is such an important part of life, I guess, and certainly when it comes to uh, Christmas, the music is just so amazing. And so, you know, my deep thoughts were to go to, you know, what songs do we have in the the Bible? And so we spent the last couple weeks looking at what we call Mary's song, sometimes called the Magnific magnificat what she said when she realized what was going on from the from the angel um, and it, we talked about l- the last couple weeks about the, the true joy only comes from what the baby gives us you know and I think that's that's the point of her why she's so fired up and full of joy is because she realizes that she's being used by God but for this wonderful purpose of bringing in this Messiah that has been we've been waiting for for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, and the fact that the fear that, that we have uh, will go away if we just focus on God for who he is because uh, and seek him. Uh, so last week we talked about mostly humility, um, and we can't get too carried away thinking we did that too well because that wouldn't be humble. So... We Did okay though I think, and really the idea is that you you true humility comes when you focus on god that's that's the when you focus on who God is, I- you really quickly become humble and I think we, we hit that really hard in the idea that uh, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament covenants comes in Jesus, but he comes in kind of a humble way and but he doesn't he doesn't need to do that he could have come in a completely different way. I mean, he could have come with fanfare, and that's what most people were looking for. That's what makes Christmas so cool, I think, is he just comes. It's just, l- just when you think you got it figured out, God does something different. And this is what we see, that the Messiah comes as a baby, um, you know, humble and humble estate. And you, we read all those things, and we see, you know, how Mary is chosen in Nazareth, a small town. And, you know, people didn't probably know who she was. We do now. Um, there were just a couple people uh, that that were trying to follow God and God used them in wonderful ways and and of course the angel coming uh you know it's always so uh, uh uplifting for me when i do a children's sermon and all i have to do is ask questions because the answers are already there you know they just keep coming back with the the things and and really if i don't know if you, if you adults out there if you remember if you grew up in the church did you ever were you ever in one of these um we uh I remember doing that, and it, it does. When you're on the other side of that, you kind of get a feel for it a little bit. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's it's kind of neat that that you get to experience that. If you if you talk to actors and actresses that are in those types of roles on in movies and in TV, th- it's really humbling for. And I think it's neat to see, and, and and it just becomes deeper, becomes more meaningful as we focus on it. Um, but we're what ha- you probably know what happened. But uh, we're gonna, if you don't, we're gonna just quickly tell you. Remember, before Mary had her angelic visitation, we had Zachariah had his. He was a priest. He was mm-hmm. in the temple. We're gonna look at something in a little bit that is in the temple. But remember, he's doing the incense, which was a very uh, uh, honorable and and a privilege for him to do that. The angel Gabriel appears to him and tells him that and uh, that he and his wife are going to have a baby. Um, but they're quite old, and so Zechariah, if you remember, kind of says, I'm paraphrasing here, but are you sure? <laughs> I'm no genius, but I would think if an angel told you something, saying are you sure is probably not the way to respond. <laughs> and so he can't talk for nine months. Um, we don't have any direct literature from this, but I wonder if Elizabeth liked that or not. If, if it, uh, all you uh, wives out there, if your husband couldn't talk for nine months, would that you see that as a blessing or a curse? Kind of depends on the day, maybe. Um, it's like, could go either way. But finally, he speaks after the baby is born, and what happens is he gives us this song or prophecy or prayer or whatever you want to call it. So I'm going to read through it. We're going to hit the first uh, half today. Um And his father, verse 67 in Luke 1, uh, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is kind of cool. I would think if you're going to sing a good song, that would be a good way to start. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that's kind of hard to even explain. He's inspired, I guess we could say. And prophesied saying, and this is his song. And if you have a Bible, if you're following along, one of the things that translators will do to help you, if it's narrative, it's usually just in paragraph form. But if it's poetry, they usually indent it or song. Like, all of the Psalms are indented, you know, and this is what we have here. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. You know, I'll, I'll read the rest here too, but as you look at this, you know, I said this last week. It's like if you sing this, I bet you'd remember it better. You want me to try to sing it? Hearing no, we'll, we'll move on with just reading. So that's his song, his prophecy. And, and you see that the first part of this is really more about this Messiah that's coming. The second part is about his son. But what it, it really kind of all focuses on verse 72, um, to show us the mercy that was promised um, in his holy covenant. Uh, do you remember what Zachariah's occupation was? No, he wasn't a plumber. Good title. though. He was a priest. Maybe you said priest. I heard plumber for some reason, but but no. But he, he was a priest. So he, a priest is one, if you remember, represents the people to God. You had to go through the priest. That's what a priest's job is. So he would he was doing the incense in the temple. But they also were supposed to know the scriptures to understand how to do this. So Zechariah would have known that because. Think about how he he says to to show us the mercy that you've promised. We've been waiting for this. This isn't something, there's an expectation here. Um, And so some of this comes, he's full of the Holy Spirit, so he's getting this. But he's talking, the mercy promise, this isn't a word we use too much. I know um, the three years I lived in Texas, they use mercy different than we do here. I remember uh, actually one of uh, a relative that lives down there, it's like if, if you know if something happened that didn't quite go right, you go mercy. You know th- that's not what we're talking about here. You know, um, but but uh, but people in Texas, you know, are a little weird. So just be careful. You know, but I did learn I did learn Greek and Hebrew from with a Texas accent, which is kind of fun. So when you're looking at the text, it's like is that just is that just me, or is it more than me, more people, is it y'all, or is it all y'all? I didn't know there was an all y'all back. I thought y'all meant everybody, but that's just me. Y'all is singular. All y'all is plural. Now we can go home. No, I'm j- I mean, y- y- you're learning lots of stuff here. But but again, mercy, what does mercy mean? Well, really, we, we have these working definitions. We have joy. We have humility. We have pride. Really, it's just that first one is what we have, undeserved favor. Um, this shows up in the Old Testament quite a bit, Um but it's also, there's different words for it, and, uh, you know, there's the undeserved favor, there's the, l- the loving kindness, there's compassion. Well, the best way sometimes is it's just, these are verses you probably know, If you, most of us know Psalm 23, and this is how it ends, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, so Like grace, sometimes we look at mercy as a one-time event. You know, God comes, gives us mercy, forgives us, but mercy is ongoing. He continues to show compassion. He continues to show loving kindness. He continues to give us undeserved favor because we continue to be in relationships. So it's a really cool verse. And you see, so the one here is more of that undeserved favor. You know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But then in Psalm 51, we've got David who needs to confess his sins. he It's a little bit different word for mercy. This is more of compassion. Uh, have mercy on me, O oh God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And this is really the core of the Christian message. It's different than every other religion, every other ideology out there. It's the idea that we in the natural course of events, are not connected to God. I'm not sure I like that. You may not like it either. Really what we have to decide is, is it true? Because if it's true, then Jesus makes sense. If it's not, it's just kind of, it's a fun thing to do at Christmas and kind of a tear-jerking thing to do during Good Friday. But if, if we don't have any problem, we don't need a solution. Well, Jesus thought he was a solution, and it looks like Zechariah thinks this Messiah is a solution, too, bringing this mercy. But look what David asked for. He doesn't say, I'm a really good guy. And he was probably a good guy, although he didn't really do good things before this psalm. I mean, you remember what this psalm was triggered by? Bathsheba and Uriah, who were married until David got in the middle of it. Adultery with Bathsheba and second-degree murder with Uriah. Good time to repent. Um, And think about that. There is no way that David's sins can be reversed. Not physically. You can't undo adultery, and you can't bring back a dead guy. But undeserved favor. He's asking for God to see him as clean even though he's not that's mercy. That's forgiveness. If you come to God, if you're waiting to come to God when you're worthy, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you come to God because you know you need Him, now's a good day to start or continue. So this all comes back even into the covering of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, If you remember the temple, it was set up with essentially a number of places, but the main temple had the holy place, which is where Zachariah would have been doing the incense. Uh, but there was the most holy, or the holy of holies. And in there was the ark. And what was that? Well, it was a, it was a box overlaid with gold, and it had some things to remember. Because you remember, the temple was where the access came. That's how you, as a chosen people, that's how they had access. It was mercy. God, they didn't deserve it. Israel didn't deserve to be chosen. God loved them. That's why he chose them. I'm sure there's days he thought, why did I do that? <laughs> and he does that with us too. Well, because he loves you. You know, He didn't love you because you're the best. He didn't love you because you know, you're the strongest or the prettiest or the whatever. He loves you because he's God and he created you. And so he wants that relationship. So what, what happened here? They only went into that place, the high priest, one priest, one time a year. And you probably heard it, Yom Kippur. Uh, Yom just is the, day, uh, the word for day in Hebrew. Kippur is, is often translated atonement, which has to do with mercy. Atonement means to give satisfaction to. Without atonement you have no connection with God. With atonement, that connection is allowed. But mercy's in the background. So what do you think they called the top of the Ark of the Covenant? It's called the mercy seat or the copperet, you know. Atonement seat is what this one. This is an artist's rendition of what it might have looked like. It had the seraphim on it. It's gold. They had the poles. You couldn't touch it. Well, you could, but it didn't work out well. You can read about that. Uh, um, one dude touched it. <sighs> didn't work out. Yeah. And i uh, that's a tough, that's a, that's a rabbit trail. Let's see. Maybe we won't go down that rabbit trail. But it was where God had actually, so you, you were supposed to go with the poles. That's why the poles were there. Um, but what they did, the priest would come in and he'd sprinkle blood on it. There are days I'm glad I'm not Jewish. Now, there's no temple right now, but wouldn't that be odd, do you think? Yeah, let's go to worship. You want to come with? Sure, let's go. Is there a kids' program? No, but they're going to sprinkle blood. I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's, why? Well, you know, because blood has a significance, it's where the life is. And you, you, you sacrifice, uh, an animal, and use its blood as a substitute for your blood to atone for your sins. It's it's ceremonial. You still had to repent. But this is what Zechariah grew up with. This is what, now he'd never seen it because he's not a high priest. But he believed that this made a difference. Every year, that's what Yom every year you come forward and remind yourself that the only reason you have access to God is because of his mercy. So mercy the, is there. And they knew that. And Zechariah knew. That. That's probably why he hits it so hard here. So think about it this way. I think this makes sense. Mercy is God's actions toward his true followers. If you say, I believe, I follow, I want what you can give me, I, I know I can't do this myself, then you get Mercy. Undeserved kindness, compassion, loving kindness, all that kind of stuff. Atonement, or kippur, is the result of that receiving the mercy. The mercy is God's action. The atonement is what results from that, that now all the sins are washed away. And he, he obliterates evil in our lives because of his power. I mean, we see some of God's power in the Old Testament. And you see a lot of God's power in the new. But the the beauty of the gospel is that it has so much power. And don't underestimate that. You know, this baby has a lot of power. (laughs) Yeah, I know he grew up. So ultimately we have to ask, who accomplishes (laughs) this for God's true followers? How does this work? Who's going to do this? At this time, they don't know. we got to move ourselves back chronologically. Jesus hasn't been born yet. The Holy Spirit's put, it, put Jesus in Mary's womb, but he hasn't been born yet. But he says in verse 69, it starts out that way, his servant David. This was the Messianic idea. They're out of the line of David, there's going to come somebody that's going to do this for us. And then he uses that, and we talked about this, you know, different languages use different things, you know. When I think of horn, I usually think it's the end of the quarter. Burr, they're always so loud. You ever notice that? Uh, but what does horn mean here? You know, he has raised up a horn of salvation. horn is, you think about an a, a animal that has horns, it's strength. That's, it's just a metaphor for strength. So what is he talking about? Well, Paul kind of hits this hard, and I think we underestimate this, maybe even more at Christmas than any other time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So within this idea of mercy, once you accept the mercy, the grace, and get in relationship with him, and have your sins atoned for, think of the power that that does. Everything you've ever done no longer is accounted against you. I mean, if you really let your mind set on that, that's really good news, isn't it? I mean, if I could tell you that you can have a connection with God where he's going to look at you like one of his children, he's going to look at you and and you didn't do anything wrong. He's going to look at you and see, oh, this looks like Jesus' actions. That's power, isn't it? You know, we think evil has so much power. I always like when you know they're always tough texts for, for, for people sometimes. But when when Jesus is, is healing someone, when we've been go if you haven't, don't come here, we've been going through Mark and we kind of stopped to do these this series here. But it's just the power is it's just always cool. I mean, he's always you know I always said Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived, but this is God incarnate. It's just so interesting, you know, there's a demon-possessed man that comes. And it's not like he's like, well, where's the, what, what do I have to say? And, you know, do I have to really get this out? He's just like, you, go. And he, it's gone. That's what evil, that's how much evil power has over God. None. It, it just obliterates. And I, and I look around, you know, all of us, who we know that. We know that we fall short. But it's just, that's what mercy is. Don't underestimate the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. I mean, sometimes, what do you mean by that? The power of the fact that Jesus came to get us in right relationship with him. But we all know it's not cheap, right? It's not just, well, thanks. Where do I get that? Where do I get that little bit of power? And then now, I'll, no longer am I, does God, not like me and I don't, I'm not against him. It's like, you know, do you just grab it or is it something that becomes who we are? That's what the Bible says. You, you become a new creation, uh, a person who can see God more clearly and who maybe understands a little bit more. And again, if you start getting cocky, just look at God again and humility will come. Doesn't take long. Or just wake up in the morning, that'll usually do it. I think I told you that last week, but I was really feeling cocky that one day, and then I hit my shin on the bed, and all of a sudden, humility came really fast. <laughs> it's just like, and you always look up and like, yeah, I got it, I know, mercy. <sighs> and if you were from Texas, you're like, yeah, mercy. You're like that. It's, it's maybe that's where it came from. Maybe that was how it all came I don't know. But mercy, it keeps coming in. You know, you think about Jesus and the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you treat people like you know God, then He'll treat you like He knows you. <laughs> an attribute that we can do. You know, you hear during Christmas time, and we've already had it some in this church, churches get get uh, uh, solicited for help from people, and y- y- you obviously want to do things to help them. You don't want to make them dependent, you don't want to take away their dignity. And I realize that. but you can't sit there and say, "Well, I don't think you deserve this." Duh, that's mercy. If they deserved it, they probably wouldn't need it. But <laughs> 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 that's, th- again, trying to be merciful, which isn't about just giving people things. It's about giving them hope and pointing them to the yeah. Savior. You always do that. I don't know if you knew that, if you uh, ever put any money in, in our uh, uh, buckets. You know, a good portion of that goes to Bibles. You know, we, we our Bible budget went up, I think because if we're going to go give somebody a tank of gas or a meal, they're going to also say, hey, you want one of these? And I always get that. You give them to them, and they'll say, well, thank you so much, Pastor, for giving me gas and giving me, you know, the Bible. And I'm like, I'm just a messenger. My congregation paid for all this. This is really from them. They want this. And I, I none of you yet, and if you do, I'll have to have a conversation. with Nobody said I think we're spending too much money on Bibles. Mercy. Yeah, I don't think we could spend too much money on Bibles, could we? Go and learn what this means. It's always nice when Jesus says like that. So what does that mean? It's like, well, you might not quite get this. The change might not fall in the meter right now, but you're going to have to work on this a little bit. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I thought sacrifice was what the Old Testament was. No, it doesn't matter. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's out of Hosea, chapter 6. Hosea is really ticked off at the Israelites. Well, because God is. Why? Because they're, they're sacrificing. They're going in. They're doing the blood thing. They're doing all the, going through the motions, but their heart's not in. They're not treating people with mercy. They're not blessed because they're not acting like God wanted them to for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came to call the people who realized that before a holy God, you have a problem, and I'm the solution. It's really cool. It did not cost you anything, isn't that well, your whole life. Boy, the benefits are out of this world, I've heard. You know, think about that. If you have God's mercy, if you have God's favor, if you have God's relationship if your sins are not counted against you you get to be with him forever which is what you were created for in the first place and no matter what happens this Christmas or in your life or how bad it might be no one can take that away from you and it's the main thing anyway. isn't it Proverbs 16 kind of sums this up really well using the different terms by steadfast love and faithfulness iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. That's just it's just a proverb, but that's cool. You know, that mercy, that grace is what, why iniquity is atoned. All of it's right there. And how does Zechariah know this? How does he know all this stuff? I mean, it's a good song. I'm sure it hits the top 40. Well, the music, you know, sometimes. I grew up in the late 70s and early 80s, and there was some good music. In fact, I don't know if anybody's got close to that. I mean, who else could you know, do as good as the Bee Gees, you know? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't know why you laugh. <laughs> some really good music, but there's some really bad music. true. But I think this is pretty good music, right? Well, how did he know this? What's well, probably shor- shown in verse 7, at as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, I told you that priests are the one that represents the people to God. They're an intermediary. Prophets are the one that represents God to the people. And this is what's happening here. God went through prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, all these prophets, and he gives them words for the people. And he probably knew this, and I'm going to turn that you're welcome to go to Daniel 9. Daniel, you know, the, the lion's den and the rack and Benny and the furnace is really cool. I like those. Uh, but, boy, you get to chapter 7, there's some really neat things. Some visions happen. But I just wanted to call you attention to this vision. If, if, if you're following along, it, it, mine, a lot of these Bibles have headings, and this one says, Daniel's prayer for his people. And his prayer is, it's just, it just sounds like a the sinner's prayer almost for the people. Uh, in, in verse 9, he talks about that. He kind of sums it up. To you, Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against you. He realized it. This Daniel's 500 years before Jesus, but he knows the problem. He knows that when we rebel against it, the relationship gets broken. But then you come down to verse 24. After, ironically, I didn't think about that, but in verse 20, you know who shows up? I'll, I'll give you a hint. You've got... This dude appeared to Zachariah. This dude appeared to... And he got the privilege of being played by Steve Holt once in a while. Yeah, right? Gabriel. Gabriel's back here. This dude's old. How old are angels, anyway? That's a whole other sermon series, isn't it? Yeah, doesn't seem like they have it. But he shows up as an answer. But in eventually, and this is a little bit cryptic, but in verse 24, think about th- what he's saying here. Seventy weeks are decreed decreed about your people, you know, the, the, he's praying for his people. In 70 weeks, you know, is that years? Is that 490 years? Uh, we're not quite sure, but it, he's something's going to happen in the future. This seems messianic. And your holy city. To do what? To finish the transgression, to, to put away sin. And to atone for iniquity. To bring an everlasting righteousness. And to anoint a most holy place. Well, the holy place was already anointed. Something's different going on here, isn't it? You know, we get that, and it happened. We know that. We're going through Mark. We see it. seems like Jesus is saying you need A, and everybody else thinks they need B. He's saying you need salvation. You need connection with God and everybody else. But yeah, but the Romans are really annoying. But way back in the prophets, it's already your problem is your sin. You know, Jesus probably put it best. What does it profit you to gain the whole world? and lose your soul. we got to watch out for that in America. And I'm not saying, well, I hope your Christmas really, really is terrible because then you'll focus on Jesus more. And that's not my point. I hope your Christmas is really, really good and you'll still focus on Jesus. If, if we could do that, boy, that would be cool, right? How's that in the Psalms? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Wouldn't it be cool if the thing you really wanted for Christmas is the thing God wanted for you too? That's a good prayer, right, for each one of us. And I wasn't thinking about that either. I didn't really want what God wanted. I want what I want, right? Isn't that way we usually do? it? But this is so clear. And so he gets this. Maybe he's looking at Daniel when he's singing this song. I don't know. He probably knew some of that. But we also know he's filled with the Holy Spirit, which is quite helpful. But Notice how this works, and this is in our culture. Be careful in Christian culture. Don't think because you become a Christian, God's just going to tell you what to do every five minutes. And this is going to sound a little bit flippant, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think if God, if you say to God, why won't you just tell me what to do? I don't want to read all this stuff. I don't want to work at it. I think God would say, grow up. Stand up like a man. Stand up like a woman. Do what I told you to do. Put some time into this. Think about your relationships that m- are important to you right now in your life. Do they go better or worse when you work at them? When you really try to show love for the other person? Well, that's the way your relationship with God's going to be. And you're all here doing it, you're coming as a response. I know some of you come to see the kids and thank you. That is cool. And that's a good reason, too, right? That's a good reason to be here because you wanted to see people that you love, really short people that you love. That's good. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But again, sometimes we have to work at it and that's okay. because uh, I think in life the most important things take, take some effort and relationships take effort. And that's what God was. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, Produce fruits keep in keeping his repentance. If you love me, show people that you want to be like me. So end result comes in verse 75, and we'll finish up uh, with this. The idea of righteousness. He says that, that in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So we get to be set apart for him. We get to be seen as someone who, who is no longer a sinner, That's not a term in the Bible for someone who believes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. If you're looking for truth, if you're looking for something that the most important thing in your life, this is where you'll find it. This is the only water that will quench your thirst and give you eternal life. In Romans 3, it it gets summed up pretty well. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. It's almost what Zachariah is saying. It's in there. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Everybody has a problem. But we are justified by his grace or mercy as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's good verses. It kind of sums up what he's saying. And we see here in this song, and then we'll hit the second half next week, the beginning of this. Zechariah understands that all of this fulfillment's starting to happen. And he seems to, I bet he's really excited here. I bet he's singing this in a really high key. He's really fired up about what this is going to be. And so for you, I mean, you know, we one thing I've learned in life is you cannot manufacture emotion very easily, can you? But when you get closer to people you love and you get closer to the God that wants to love you, a sudden emotion will come. I mean, I'm sure when you sing these songs, we'll sing this last one, when you saw these kids so much wanting to focus on their faith in Christ, that gets a little emotion in a good way, doesn't it? The emotion will come. But the truth is always there if we just continue to focus on the one, the only one that is the solution to our problem. Let us pray. Father, it's hard to maybe even imagine what it must have felt like for Zachariah when he, he opened his mouth and the first thing he did was praise you and Focus on your son. I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful song that we get to see. Uh, For each one here, uh, Christmas is coming fast. um, I Thank you for each one of them. They're coming here. They're responding to your revelation, to your love. um, Help them just know that, uh, that no matter what is going on in their life and how they feel, that you are there for them. You are the light. You are what they've been looking for. Help them know that. Help help them want to, to cultivate that. And may they have the emotion to know that this is the real and right thing because it's focused on the one that came in a manger so many years ago. Jesus, our Lord.